Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope you're able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope this message will be an inspiration to help you find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. All right, we're getting ready to have a family convo. And the crowd went crazy. The crowd, the crowd went wild. Now this is gonna be, this is going to be awesome tonight and I'm so honored to share the stage with some of my favorite people in all the world and a lot of wisdom up here on this stage. And then there's me, all right? So that's, that's what we got going on. It's gonna be awesome. Uh, let me just, before we jump into this stuff, let me just make mention of next Wednesday night because next, this coming one week from tonight is our first, first Wednesday. Our first, first Wednesday service. And so as we've been talking about this formatting where the first Wednesday is kind of revival service. And uh, I believe that we should probably set this thing on course right from the very beginning. Somebody just believe that with me. So make sure that you come, uh, and when you do come Wednesday night, come expecting God just to do supernatural things, just amazing things in your life. Come ready to respond, ready to just experience God in a fresh way, and also bring somebody who needs a little bit of revival in their life. And so if you're ever going to bring somebody uh, on a Wednesday night, these first Wednesdays are going to be uh, a great night to do that. And so that starts off one week from tonight. So I'm excited about one week from tonight. Amen. Yeah. And so I'm excited about tonight as well. And so we have got our panel here uh, where we're going to uh, do some questions. So some questions came in last Wednesday night. Um, also, we had some questions come in through social media and through the week. And then we also had some questions that came in on Sunday night during the marriage conference that did not get covered at the marriage conference. Uh, having said that, um, we probably would have room to take some questions tonight uh, in real time as well. So if as we are going, uh, maybe something sparks or maybe as you just sit there, you think of a question, uh, you can still text that to the church number and then I'll, I'll get it via a team that's helping get get the pathway to me and it'll happen. Uh, but not that, not that I can guarantee we'll answer every question that comes in, but we'll, we're going to try to get, uh, some of the real time questions tonight as well. But, uh, let's start off. I mean, I think everybody probably knows most everybody on the stage, but let's just start off introducing everybody and, and kind of what your, what your maybe family story is a little bit. And then, uh, what, what your, uh, involvement here at Faith Assembly is. So who wants to go first? I'm looking this direction. Okay. So, um, yes. So Mark and Margarita, we've, uh, let's see, uh, high school sweethearts. We married, uh, yep. We've been married 22 years, yes. have three kids, so we have some experience with that. And uh, yeah, that's it. We serve in the church. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Uh, my name is David, and um, this is my wife, Crystal, and we, uh, we're not high school sweethearts, met in our <laughs> mid-20s, <laughs> mid-20s sweethearts. And um, I'm the discipleship pastor here, and, and Crystal is, uh, we're, we're new, we're, we're, we just came back here uh, after being away for a little bit. Um, about a month ago. So yeah. we're back here and we've got two kids, five and six years old. Awesome. Glad that you're here. Um, I'm, I'm 
Johnny Wilson, and uh, this is my wife, Jamie. We were high school sweethearts, and uh, we are currently adult sweethearts. So it's working out. It's getting pretty serious between us. I think we're going we're gonna to take it to the next level. So amen. Johnny and Connie Matthews, and uh, we weren't in high school. We were in elementary school. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, but we have been married 53 years this year, so it had to be elementary school, right? And we currently serve in a couple of different ministries, music, and with the uh, Legacy Bible Study Team. Yep. Amen. Amen. Uh, hey, guys. Pastor Matt Ingle. This is my wife, Wendy. And um, many of you may not know this, but she teaches the after-school dance program here at the, uh, at the school, so maybe you've seen her around. Yeah, awesome, clap. Um, we've been married going on 22 years, that's right. Uh, high school sweethearts, I mentioned that a couple weeks ago when we launched on just uh, a marriage and that whole uh, you know, sermon and stuff like that. So yeah, we're excited to be here. All right, um, well, let's jump in with one of these questions. Um, Let's, let's start out with this one. This is one that came in, uh, I think, text uh, maybe last week or maybe during the week, uh, this week. But anyway, here's the first question we'll start with, and, and we'll just kind of let anybody share. Multiple people can share, but we can just take questions, and so if you feel it, jump in. Uh, here's one of the questions that came in. There was a question about how we're supposed to be a good Christian and lead children when our spouse is unbelieving. Uh, and so how do we deal with that tension as one parent's trying to be the Christian, trying to lead well, but then you got another uh, spouse that maybe isn't a believer. Not everybody all at once. We, uh, we never experience that because we're blessed that Connie and I both have been believers for uh, all of our adult life. But we have talked with uh, people that had that type of uh, situation. And I would first say, if you're here and you're contemplating marriage, then listen to that question and be not unequally yoked uh, from the beginning. And if you're already married and you're in that situation, well, you do your part to serve God in every circumstance. You pray constantly and uh, pray without ceasing, actually, and uh, love your spouse for your love and your, your actions may win that spouse to Christ. Amen. Well, I grew up with that kind of situation. My dad was not a Christian, and my mom uh, got saved when I was seven years old. And let me tell you, when I saw at that young age the change and the transformation that my mom went through, God's love just called me, and I received Jesus at eight years old, the Holy Spirit. I mean, it was a true transformation because I saw the true power that God, that Jesus did in my mom. So don't give up. If you have God, he, we're majority. So just continue to show God's love to your children, and they know the difference because God will speak to them. Amen? That's good. Amen. That's amazing. Okay, next question. How can I get my partner to forgive me for my mistakes? That's a really deep one because there's different levels of mistakes. <laughs> but one thing that really comes to my mind with mistakes that I think is really important in a marriage is, 
is there's that scripture that says that love keeps no record of wrongs. And I think that at times we can be really good at keeping a record. Anybody keep a record? I've kept a record before and not on you, you're perfect, but on other things. But, but right, we, we need to not keep a record and a list, an ongoing Excel spreadsheet of our spouse's wrongs. And Good. I think it's a two-way thing, and I think Good. it's so important for a marriage to, to just always just moving towards uh, a clean slate, even re-forgiveness. Like sometimes you have to re-forgive and work through forgiveness. So, Anybody else want to add to that? Yeah. Another thing uh, that we need to remember, too, is that when we're going through the things in our mind that we've done wrong and we've asked God to forgive us, then first we forgive ourselves. And once you forgive yourself, then it's easier for that other person to forgive you. And then you can believe that. And when that person does forgive and they say they forgive, then it is your responsibility to accept that forgiveness. Fabulous. Yeah. Awesome. Here's a question that had one of the ones that came in live tonight. And again, we'll, we'll bounce back and forth, but this is one of the ones that came in tonight. Should you have kids early in your marriage or later in your marriage? And so I'm, I'm guessing that we might have some variety on when, on when, how long we were married before maybe our, our first children were born. Um, but anybody can speak to that. Um, Having kids early in marriage or later in marriage doesn't matter. Is one better than the other? I can tell you about having them later in marriage because we were married six years, and I can honestly tell you we wanted children, but God did not give us children yet. But what we didn't understand was the solidification that it brought to our marriage and the enjoyment that we had with each other. There's nothing like getting up on a weekend, a long weekend and turning to your partner and saying, or your spouse and saying, let's go to, well, we don't worry about kids. (laughs) So we go. And it just, I adored him. He was my friend, my, no, I adore him now (laughs) too, but it absolutely, he just became my best friend. And there's a lot to be said about that. I love that. He's my best friend too, so. Um, I love being best friends with your partner, it's the best. But I think too, it depends on how old you are when you get married a little bit. You know, we got married when we were 30, so I didn't really wanna wait, you know, 10 years before I had kids, cause I didn't really wanna have kids at 40. Um, so we waited a couple years and, you know, got to know each other. I think also, you know, we dated for a long time. We knew each other very well. Um, I think, you know, if you have a shorter time that you get engaged and a shorter engagement, maybe it's good to wait a little while so you really can develop that best friendship with your partner so that you're not throwing kids in there when you are just getting to know each other. It can get kind of crazy because for sure you want to know your partner 
once you have kids because then you have to get to know kids. So you don't want to be getting to know your kids and each one's different and get to know your partner all at the same time. So I think there's kind of some wisdom in it. Like, do you feel settled with your partner? Do you feel like you are best friends? Do you feel like you know each other well? So I, I think it kind of depends on where you're at in life, how long your relationships was before you were dating maybe. Um, but just make sure that there's a good solid foundation there, I think, before kids happen, if you can control that. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, kids do. Um, kids are a gift from God, but yet they change things. So <laughs> things are very different with kids. Okay, next question. How do you navigate supporting your spouse's calling while staying true to your own calling? Where is a healthy balance? Um, uh, yes. So there's a scripture there with Paul where he's recommending basically believers like if you want to focus on ministry 100% stay single um, any but once you get married your ministry is your spouse so there's that that verse there that speaks to that so I'm not saying you can't have a call if you let's say that call came in later in life maybe the other spouse is still developing it you know that could be a possibility I would say pray because you do want to walk in, in unity and you don't want one person following the call so much that it draws a wedge in the marriage. That's mm -hmm. not good. Yeah. So, you know, uh, be sensitive to, to how that develops and be careful. Yeah. yeah, I always say to wait for your partner. I mean, we've, God has called us individually and as a family. I believe in that. I believe God calls the family, including the kids. But there's times that you might be all the way over here and you're calling and your spouse is not there yet and that's okay but you need to pray and wait don't just go ahead and move to china without your partner <laughs> good that's yeah good. yeah i was just i was gonna say it's unique for every couple too because when um when her and i were uh, dating or then engaged and then we got married i was a pastoral major right i'm in college studying to be in the ministry and she was a dance performance and education major and so I'm trying to have this conversation with my parents. Like, I feel like this is the person for me. Yet, you know, it's like, I'm not going to get up and dance in front of people. You don't want that, believe me. Um, so how is this going to merge, you know? And so especially 20 years ago, it was like, how is this even going to uh, work out? And, uh, but like, you know, obviously she's a partner with me in, in ministry and in pastoral ministry. And of course, is super uh, involved and important in that role. But also, she really has a ministry uh, to those girls and those people that are in dance, and she treats that like a ministry. And so I support her in that, and she supports me. We would have never thought it would have worked out that way, but just as you submit, it's like, you know, the Bible says, just trust in the Lord. He's gonna, he's gonna order your steps, and you just so good, keep yeah. trusting, keep submitting, and you'd be surprised. We look 20 years later, and we're like, man, I can't believe it worked out the way it did, so. That's awesome, yeah, great testimony. Um, this is uh, one of the questions that came in tonight. Um, I think it's very important. It's a heavy question. It's a serious question. But it says, husbands, what was the pickup line that got your wife's attention? <laughs> or wives, did you catch your husband's attention first? And um, I'll go first. Um, I was, we were in high school when we met. My senior year, her junior, junior year, I was, but I was already very spiritual. And so I went up to her <laughs> and uh, I said, uh, hey, is there anything that I can pray for you about? Because I would love to lay hands on you. And um, no, I'm just kidding. 
It would have worked though, right, if I had? No, uh, my, real quick, and then I want to hear everyone's answer on this. My brother-in-law was her youth pastor for a stretch. We lived in this, kind of in the same city, near, near one another. And so my brother-in-law and my sister said, hey, this girl in our youth group, you gotta meet her. And so I said, okay, I'm open to that. And so we were at a rally, like a multi-church youth rally. And then uh, we, me and my friends went to her house for the party or just to hang out after the youth rally. And so what I tried to do that night was do my best tricks off the diving board because she had a pool and uh, <laughs> apparently that worked, so. So guys, how did you, she, she said kind of. Uh, we'll not be passing the mic to her right now, but um, yeah. Yeah, uh, well we met at a prayer service here at the church, not at the club, it was good. Yeah, yeah we met at a prayer service and I, I don't remember what I said, maybe, so you like to pray? <laughs> Honestly though, he really didn't have to say anything because I know this sounds crazy, but I feel like as close as you can get to love at first sight, I literally saw him and I was kind of talking to someone else at the time and I was like, I can't talk to that guy because I kind of really like him and I'm not talking to him right now. And so I would say if there is love at first sight that he didn't really have to say anything because I was like, he's the one. <laughs> I think, um, let's see, we met in high, 10th grade, ESOL class. Uh, I met her my second day in the United States, by the way, so I'll never forget that. I love the United States. Um, I probably had a move that was so tacky. I made you a mixtape uh, for you, but instead of being, because I think I was too spiritual, so I made her a mixtape of Petra Praise. <laughs> if you don't know what that is, don't worry. That means uh, it's way, way early, but yeah. Yeah, and then, but then in college, really, really, he, he wrote me a poem, and that's what got yeah. So for us, Matt always likes to tell the story that like I chased him like a panting dog. He always, that's what he always says. But in reality, and I like dogs, so I guess, you know, that works. Um, <laughs> but in reality, I did call him first when we were in high school because he was taking so long to decide like if he liked me, I guess. Um, and I got sick of waiting, so I guess it worked. <laughs> Love at first sight, I totally agree with. Because when I saw him for the first time, I took a picture of him, put it up on my bulletin board at work. My boss asked me who it was, and I said, I have no idea what his name is, but I'm going to marry him. And he goes, oh, well, how's that gonna work out for you? And I went, I don't know, I just know it is. And we had our first date in December, we were engaged in February, and we got married in June. And just so you know, we didn't have a kid till six years later, so. Do you guys want to know the real story? Yes, please. <laughs> no, it wasn't that. I mean, his part was true, but then, so that was like in June, and then in August, I went to a Christian school my whole life, so it was like Faith Christian Academy, but not Faith. But that's what it was like. So the vibe is the same as a Christian school. So he came to my school, him and his friend for the first time their senior year. And so, um, so you know, those of you who went to a Christian school, anyone new comes, it's like 
piranhas, like, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> whatever. So I was no different. So I talked to him the first day and I found out what classes he got and I got one of my classes changed. So I'd be in a class with him and the rest is history. <laughs> so I made it happen, I guess. I didn't remember it. Yearbook. It was yearbook. Okay, um, next question. I'd love to pick their brains about dating tips for teenagers. We're just entering that season as parents. Pray, pray, pray. <laughs> well, one thing, maybe a little, since there's not been much laughter here, make sure that you have all your weapons out on the table and you're cleaning them when the date comes to pick up your daughter. I actually did that. It, that's a true story. And it worked. Scared him to death. I need those tips too. <laughs> Just pray, pray, pray. Just get them in someone's group like my husband's because he used to lead groups and he would convince all the guys to break up with their girlfriends. So I am praying a leader like him in my kids' lives. Um, but for real, like having good leaders, I think is a big thing. Having leaders that they can trust um, and confide in and setting rules. I, I mean, I don't have teenagers, so I'm not there. I was one once and um, I didn't have huge problems when it came to the dating world necessarily. But um, but yeah, I think, man, get them into youth, like get them with good leaders in their lives because they'll maybe not listen to you sometimes, but they're going to listen to a leader that has loved on them and that is in their life. Like they're going to confide in that leader. So if they have like good youth leaders, I just think that's something I'm really going to pray into my kids' lives even now. Yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say, as a youth pastor for so many years, it was easy to speak on this subject because we talked about purity and relationships all the time. But then to step in the dad role, and now our kids are getting older, they're that age, and it's like, oh, well, it just feels way different. You know what I mean? When, when it's your life and it's your decisions that you're making. And I think, I think one thing is just not to overreact and realize, you know, Kids go through that phase. One, it's like that's what adolescence is. They're, they're a, a child, and then they're an adult, and the in-between is adolescence. So sometimes they act like a child. Sometimes they act like an adult, and you don't never know which day they're going to act like what. So I think opening up that conversation and really building uh, strong self-esteem in your children and, and so that they're not trying to find something in some other relationship, and they have that security so that they make good decisions. Really, it happens far be before just the, the moment of, can I date? I mean, I think it happens through building that relationship over, over the years, uh, but it is, it is tough. And that's why everybody's like, pray, 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 because that's yeah. important. Um, but just those honest conversations and keeping those lines of communication open. Yeah, I, I like that about staying in, in relationship with, with your own kids. And so, so basically you, you help those teenage years, all the years leading up to that. And so we would just kind of stay just keeping our eyes open. And, and if there was, um, you know, you could kind of see somebody start to pay extra attention to somebody. And so then usually the, she would kick into spy mode and start figuring out who they were. And matter of fact, my, our fourth oldest just got engaged about a, a two weeks ago. And we were telling the story that night because they, Jonah and Morales had dated since 
middle school. And so we were that night, we were joking about the first time that they took a picture together. It was here at church after Wednesday night service. And somehow she saw the picture, got posted somewhere. And when Jonah got home, she said, who's that girl? Who's that girl that you're, and it was just a picture, but it was just always having that conversation. And then when there was an interest, um, you know, and, and I, I will say this, like, I think you, you handle it, you, you try to listen to God and you handle it the way God's helping you to do so. Um, and so maybe not every single person's way would be, you know, the, the same way, or it's not even a matter of right. I'll just tell you how we did it. You can agree or disagree, but to, to, for us, to, we never felt like it was a thing to say, you won't have a romantic life. Um, I felt like I would rather teach them parameters because I felt like there was going to be some romantic feelings at some point during their teenage years. So we would rather come alongside and kind of say, when, if and when this happens, it doesn't have to happen, but if and when this does happen, here's, here's what it could look like. And you'll hang out with us sometimes and you'll hang out with their folks sometimes and you could go out with groups. And when you are out, we'll know where you are and you won't be in the rooms by yourself. And like just kind of laying all that stuff out there. And so that's kind of had been our practice all through uh, our, our kids kind of going through that was just that um, they spent kind of a lot of time with us and with the family and with groups and here at church and, and uh, kind of the environments were safe enough where it kind of kept them from getting in too much trouble most of the time. So, yeah. Um, uh, this, is a, this is an important one. Uh, I, let's see, when did this one? This was tonight, a question that came in tonight, and this is so vital. I'd like to hear you guys speak on this. How, how can spouses come into agreement with parenting, styles, with parenting styles when each one has a different approach? And I would add, how important is that you know, being in agreement and how do we get there? I mean, Amos 3.3 3 says, how shall two walk together if they're not in agreement, right? And so um, I think just uh, we're talking about family convo, having conversations uh, where you address the problem rather than react. And so you kind of set some ground rules ahead of time and just, uh, and by the way, talk away from the kids. Don't do it in the moment of tension or in a heated moment, but kind of separately Figure out ways that you can agree and compromise, right? Um, if one's always going to be more the authoritarian and the other one is going to be more the mercy, listen, that's okay, but learn how those dynamics play together and figure it out ahead of time so the kids don't uh, try to take advantage. Yeah, like know your role. Like, I mean, it's funny, but that is always the fun parent in, I, I, in our household. But we know our role. And then, of course, sometimes... It's like, oh, I'm like, oh, he shouldn't have said that. So then when everybody goes to sleep, I'm like, honey, like, she's nine. <laughs> shouldn't have said that like that. And then he's like, oh. So I'm like, okay, go apologize. So com communication, communication, communication. But you do have to agree because kids can pick it up like this. Yeah, my parents, they modeled this really well. They were always a united front. And kids are smart, so they, you know, they'll try to, like, play one against the other. That's just, they have a gift. I mean, we all had it probably growing up, too. It's like, how'd you do that? And I go to my wife, did you actually say that? Well, not really in that way. But I think, um, yeah, if you, have, if you are a united front in any disagreements, you're talking behind closed doors, and you're really hashing things out, or how are we going to address this? But then when you guys 
talk to that child or to your children, it is one message. I think that's one of the things that confuses children a lot of times is they'll, they'll, they'll raise the reaction level to get a response out of dad or mom. Then they find the crack in the foundation and then they use that again and they start they, you know, playing you against uh, each other. So I would just say, uh, and that's, that's what I noticed looking back at, at my family is like, man, my mom and dad were always a united front. And uh, I think they did pretty good because I mean, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Could I add something? One thing that my girls always said, don't tell mom anything you don't want dad to know. Because whatever you tell her, she's going to tell him and he's going to tell her if he knows something. So it truly is a united front. And don't ever say, my kid would never do that. Because I promise you, they're normal. And that's all it is. They're normal. And they're good kids, but they're normal. Communication is key between a mom and a dad. And when you do present that united front, that's hard to break down. That's good. Um, when life is so demanding with kids, work schedules, and sleep schedules are different, how do you make sure you're still communicating, making time, and maintaining your marriage relationship without growing bitter and distant? My wife just said that's a tough one, and I raised the microphone. Um, that is tough, but one of the things that, that uh, we found successful is if we are together for a whatever period of time, a brief period of time every day where we pray for each other and pray for our family out loud to each other. So I'm praying for her and the family in front of her and God, she's doing the same thing. And that seems to um, wipe out a lot of the struggles that you will face because God sees that unity and he sees that love and he blesses it. And it, it just changes, yeah, it, it changes a lot of dynamics in the home when you pray together every day. Yeah. I think it was at the, at the marriage conference, um, one of the speakers says that you don't find the time, like you just don't find the time, you, you have to make the time. And that's something that we've really prioritized is having like a, a special time that we have like our date day. And, that, and it's changed throughout the years. And for so long we had a toddler who would go to bed at like 11 or 12 a.m., you know, 11 p.m. To, so it's like we gotta get this kid going to bed earlier so we can spend more time together. So we, it's changed through different seasons, but we have always fought to make the time even just a little time together is important and valuable, right? I mean, if you have kids, like a little bit of time just with each other is, it's powerful. So making the time, it's doable and it changes through different seasons. Yeah, I will also say, be careful with your expectations because every date night cannot be this huge romantic restaurant movie. Like I remember when the first two were little toddlers, we would literally drive around until they fell asleep. And when they were sleeping in the back, it was date night. And we would get fast food, park in a beautiful view, it doesn't matter, and we would just, those 20, 30 minutes, that was vital for our relationship. So 
It could be McDonald's. It could be. It doesn't matter where, but spend that time together. Yeah, when our kids were little, we had five little ones. Um, our we would go weekly to Chuck E. Cheese, and that was our date night because Chuck E. Cheese they put the stamp on your hand, so nobody was going to take them. So we knew that. So literally, we'd have coins on the table. They'd get the coins, and then we would just sit there and talk like the for several hours, and it was wonderful. So if you guys have little kids, go to Chuck E. Cheese. It's great. <laughs> uh, one of the questions is in here. Um, can we talk about how to keep maybe an adult dating relationship pure and, avo and, and avoiding premarital sex? So how to keep an adult? Yeah, I'm like, so not, not, we're not talking about maybe with teens, but someone, you know, that's in a dating relationship, college age or, or older, adult, whatever. And I mean, I just, I think you have to uh, set ground rules early, um, raise your kids in, in a godly way uh, so that they know, right, who they are in Christ and they, and they are connected to a community of faith. So identity in Christ, community of faith, uh, and they're cemented in that. And then that, to me, will protect them from potentially uh, that temptation, even though temptation will be there. So, yeah, if, if they're adults already dating, you know what temptation is for you because we're adults. You know what I'm saying? So you know what's going to tempt you. Don't go there. Have boundaries beforehand. Do not go by yourself. Um, maybe you're not under mom and dad's rules anymore, but you can put rules for yourself. Yeah. And just Jesus should be first. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's really good if, if you're in the room, like I, I think it's good if you're listening and, and this is you, to get your relationship under a covering because a lot of people do a relationship by themselves and they try to like stay pure by themselves and everything they do is they're just on their own. So I would say find a leader, a pastor and say, hey, um, we give you permission to speak into our relationship, and we want your feedback, good feedback, um, ways we can get better. And I think that brings accountability. And I think having somebody like that, it just brings a whole level of stability to a relationship. That's good. Uh, next question. While. It's 20, you got moved there. Oh, okay. Oh, wait, no. no. Yeah. While fasting, does a married couple. We almost had a fight right up here in front of everyone. <laughs> Uh, while fasting, does a married couple have to abstain from intimacy? I mean, the Bible says that they can if they mutually agree. So yeah. it should be mutual. Uh, one person, the Bible says that when you're married, your body belongs to your spouse. All right? So if you're a woman, your, bo your body belongs to your husband. If you're a man, your body belongs to your wife. And so... You can make that decision on your own, but mutually you can, and for a few days only, uh, because you shouldn't be like, for the next 40 days, uh, I mean, that will, you know what you're going to do? You're going to invite uh, potentially temptation and allow the devil maybe to give room there when you shouldn't, you shouldn't do that. So be spiritual, that's cool, but not, not, not like that. You know what I mean. All right. Um. It's good. Thank you, guys. <laughs> I, was, I was waiting for okay. you. I think just, you answered it so don't well. Do it. <laughs> Go ahead. No. All right. Uh, one of the other questions that came in tonight, um, and I like this. What's something you used to believe about relationships, but you no longer do? 
I can honestly tell you that when you first get married, you can't stay away from each other. Just saying. Um, but, and you go through a period when you have children. But then when you get to be the age that John, I love him more today than I could ever possibly have thought I could. He, when he walks into the room, that's who I see. And I think that's the way God intended it to be. Because when he walked into the room the first time I saw him, he was the only one I saw. So he has endeared himself to me. It, it just, life changes all the way down as you get older. But marriage in your senior years is absolutely fabulous. And I would say that's a wrap. <laughs> Good night, everyone. Okay, next question. Does the church look down on people who are in their second or third marriage? Absolutely not. Um, it's, it's one of those things that uh, we're all about grace, mercy, restoration. That's, that's, that's what this place exists for, and that's why we turn to God. So um, obviously we wouldn't encourage that. Like if it's a believer, we wouldn't just say, oh, at any hardship, you know, divorce is the answer. I mean, that's, that's the last resort, and there's only a few, ex you know, biblical reasons why, why that would be allowed. Uh, but man, any... Anything from someone's past or struggles, uh, come. We, we welcome you with open arms. Uh, we want to see that reconciliation happen and restoration happen, and so that's what we're here for. So I would say that's what the devil loves to do is bring condemnation, yeah. um, but the Bible says as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. I'm personally thankful for that because I've messed up, but Jesus hold no, uh, holds no record of wrong. And uh, so why would we ever do that as, as a church? So that's good. Yeah, yeah. I think of the story of the woman at the well when Jesus came to her and said, like, I know all these men that are in your life and these husbands that are no longer your husbands. And he just forgave her. There was no condemnation from Jesus. There was only love. And if we as a church are to strive to be like Jesus and we have condemnation on you for things of your past, I mean, are we being like Jesus? Are we living like the church that we're meant to be? So um, yeah, Jesus didn't. He didn't have any condemnation. He didn't look down on her. He loved her and forgave her and used her as a great example in the Bible. So I would say, you know, um, we're glad you're here and we don't look down on you. Yeah, here's a tough question, guys. Um, how does a couple deal with infidelity, uh, especially if, even if there's a relationship that uh, maybe extramarital relationship that maybe even still going on, uh, is divorce okay? The person asks in the eyes of God in that situation. Um, so I think that trust. Okay, so. Trust is lost in, in buckets, right? But it's earned in drops. And so, that's not a scripture, but basically when there's a situation like that, this is where I believe counseling is highly recommended uh, because this is something that is above and beyond what a couple should manage on their own. Uh, hopefully there is repentance and an admitting of, of, some, of an issue or a problem 
And if that's the case and, and the other the person who is committing the infidelity is repentant, then that's awesome. But there should be counseling so that there is restoration from all the consequences that the infidelity did bring. And so I don't so I think that's a very serious situation and it should be dealt with counseling just because these Counselors are awesome. They're professionals that help us, right? To, for you to sit down and, and, and talk uh, with a neutral person there to be able to love you and restore you in, into fellowship again. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I think as we, as we learn about marriage and you go back to scripture, um, it is a covenant and it's a very sacred thing and God is for marriage. He blesses that relationship and there is trust there and it's a beautiful thing when it's, when it's happening the godly way, but when there is that trust that is broken or it, there is that sin, uh, it, it is heavy. And like you said, man, I would encourage anybody that's facing that to, to seek help. Uh, we do have an incredible counseling department or pastoral counseling uh, just to help walk through that, uh, to, to bring somebody back out of that. Uh, because it is, it is, it's a thing when you just look at the scriptures, it's like, uh, it, it's a covenant, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. And then People think, okay, it's just always going to be that way. But yet people do make mistakes. People do uh, things wrong at times. So then how do you move forward? And maybe it's, it's tough on a Sunday morning to address those things. But in a counseling session or a one-on-one -on -one conversation with a pastor or a strong leader, that's when you can get into some of the, uh, the, the more detailed, um, not, not the nitty-gritty stuff. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying some of the more nuances of, of what's happening so that they can give you good counsel because you definitely need good counsel in that situation. And you have to be willing to have your heart open and soft towards the Father so that he can begin to heal. When that trust is broken, it is like as unto death. And so God begins to soften not only your heart, but your, your spouse's heart. And then gradually, it's, most times it's not an overnight thing. It has to be a counseling issue, but it's a tender heart that begins to form again, and that relationship can be reconnected. Please, whoever wrote that, don't think that it's hopeless. It is not. There is not one thing that Father God cannot do. Yeah. And he certainly made that heart, made that soul, and he can put it back together better than it was in the beginning. Amen. Would you give a round of applause to our, our panel? Thanks, guys. You can. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thank you for joining us in pursuit of growing closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.